Our lesson this morning comes from um, a thought, I guess, recently. Um, we had, I've, I've debated over exactly how to start this lesson, what to share, what not to share. Uh, I've struggled with this lesson today. I've prayed about this lesson today. I've uh, searched myself in preparing for this lesson. I've um, had a lot of thinking on my mind, a lot on my mind, and um, so we're just going to share what we can share, and we're just going to spend some time together this morning and hopefully uh, learn some things from God's Word. You notice there was no outline uh, this morning. It, this is not going to be a lesson where you leave thinking, oh, that's something I've never seen before. This is just one of those lessons where we kind of sit down, uh, we sit back, we share some thoughts with each other. The idea for this lesson came during VBS, and an individual uh, had approached, uh, not me, but had approached somebody else that uh, got back to me eventually, and there was a complaint, which I'm fine with that. I have no problems with complaints. I love ideas. I encourage people to share things. That's, that's wonderful. That's how we grow. But we live in a society, we live in a world where complaints usually finish with complaints. And what I mean by that is, we don't live in a society where people follow complaints up with ideas or suggestions. They simply stop with the complaint because they want to say their part, but very rarely do people actually want to do anything to make things better. Um, Parker has recently... Uh, really enjoyed the Andy Griffith show. And one of my favorite lines uh, from the Andy Griffith show is uh, Andy and Floyd the Barber sitting on a chair and um, they're discussing whether or not it was Mark Twain or Calvin Coolidge who uttered the phrase, everybody's complaining about the weather, but nobody seems to want to do anything about it. Well, that's kind of the world that we live in. Uh, people want to complain, but very rarely do they want to do anything about it. And so the lesson this morning comes from that thought. Um, I know this has kind of started out negative. Bear with me. Uh, we will see positives, I promise. But I do want you to do some soul searching this morning. I want you to look at your heart this morning. I want you to look at your dedication this morning. And I want you to really ask yourself a question that we see asked in the book of John from the scripture reading that we read a few minutes ago. We see here Jesus appearing to Peter. And we see here that Jesus asked Peter a question three different times. He said, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, well, of course I love you. Jesus asked again, do you love me? Of course, Jesus, I love you. For the third time, he asked Peter, do you love me? It says that Peter, so to speak, uh, not the exact word that was used there, but got a little frustrated with the question. Well, of course, Jesus, you know everything. Of course you know that I love you. This was the same man who had made the confession of which what we believe is based upon, that Jesus was the Son of God. This was the same Peter that although he faltered in the end... He had enough courage at one point to step out of the boat to walk to Jesus. 
How in the world? Why was Jesus even asking this question, do you love me, Peter? He knew that Peter had to love him. Of course Peter loved him. How could he not love him? Of all these things that he had done, yeah, Peter made mistakes, but Peter was often one of the very first ones to speak up. How could he even ask Peter, do you love me? But yeah, he asked that question three times. To get Peter to focus on the question, but more importantly, the answer. I ask you the same question this morning. Do you love Jesus? Well, of course. That's a, that's a bad question. We know the answer to that. We're here this morning. Of course we love Jesus. We even came a little bit early and went to Bible class. We have to love Jesus. Yeah, I came at 9.30 this morning for Bible class. I got up this morning. I put on my shirt, my tie at one point, even though it didn't last. But I put on my tie. I put on my shoes, these uncomfortable shoes, these uncomfortable clothes. I'm here this morning. I could be doing so many other things. Of course I love Jesus. What kind of a question is that? I agree the question is very simple. But I don't think the answer is as simple as Peter thought it was or as we so often think it is. In preparing for this lesson, I wanted to look for a city that was comparable in size and and comparable somewhat in demographics to Haleville. And so through a, a simple search, I found a city in Arizona. There's no rhyme or reason why I chose this city. Uh, the name of the city is Parker, Arizona. And yes, the name Parker was chosen for a reason. But demographic size are, are very similar to what we have here in Haleville. It's on the other side of the United States. But other than that, everything else is very similar to what we have in Haleville. And I want to share something with you this morning that goes along with our question of, do you love Jesus? What I'm going to share with you in just a second on the screens is something that's found in Parker, Arizona. It's found in Haleville, Alabama. It's probably found in every city, if not most cities in between. It's found in most cities around the United States, if not around the world. I know this is kind of hard to see. It was a screenshot, kind of uh, as big as I could get it. And there's two pages. And if you can't see exactly what it is, I'll tell you what it is. It's an obituary, the obituary page from Parker, Arizona. There are six people listed on the obituaries. Now, as, as I said a few minutes ago, before we go any further, I want to give a disclaimer to this lesson. I told you I had spent a lot of time in thought, a lot of time in prayer. This morning, as I share this message with you, I'm sharing it to myself as much as anybody, if not more than anybody. I'm preaching to myself this morning. You just happen to hear my thoughts as I share them out loud. This lesson has caused me to do a lot of thinking, to do a lot of soul searching, and to really ask myself the question, do I love Jesus? You see, the six people listed on the screen in front of you, I have no idea who they are. I don't know what they did for a living. I don't know what they did with their life. I don't know if they were prepared 
to be listed on this page or not. I don't know what their situation was in life. But I know one thing for certain. Before you are six names. But more importantly, before you on this screen are six souls. Now, as we think about these names, as we think about the souls that are listed on the screen in front of you, I want us to put these two thoughts together. The thought of, do we love Jesus? And wherever this preacher man is going with putting an obituary on the screen in front of us, we're going to tie these two thoughts together. If you have your Bibles... Open them up to Matthew chapter 25. This will be where we stay for the rest of our lesson this morning. Matthew chapter 25. Starting in verse 31, we see, When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, And he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on the right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me. You curse it into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it, To one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into an eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. You see, here we see a picture of the judgment. We see a picture of the final judgment. It is said that if we love Jesus... We will treat his brothers, the people around us each and every day, just as it were, just as if it were Jesus who were sitting next to you sick. Just as if it were Jesus who was in the hospital this morning. Just as if it were Jesus standing on the street corner begging for food. You see, do we see that person in need? That person who's sick, that person who's hungry, that person who's in need. When we look at that person, do we see Jesus? If it were Jesus 
standing there or sitting there, would we still walk by them without giving a second thought? If we found out that Jesus was in need this morning, if he was in a hospital this morning, if he was in need of food, how fast would we knock down the doors to tend to his needs? But yeah, there's people all around us each and every day that we walk by, sometimes without blinking, and never offer a lending hand or a helping hand. You see, I ask you again this morning, do you love Jesus? Some days, on the obituaries here in Haleville, Alabama, there's no names listed. Sometimes, there are several names listed. When a name is listed on this screen or on that page, wherever it may be, it's too late for us to tend to the person whose name's listed. Hopefully, their soul is prepared. Hopefully, they are ready for what comes next. But you see, we also live in a world where so often the names listed are not prepared. They're not ready for what they're about to face. But my question to you this morning is, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about this pandemic that spread that has spread around our world that it's not up to me to go help this person? It's not up to me to go do that. You see, I've put in my time. I've done it in the past. You know, so-and-so over there, he doesn't ever go visit the sick. Why should I? This person, they don't ever do anything. Why should I? You see, correct me if I'm wrong this morning, but in my Bible, there's no verse 47 from this text that we read that says, on the day of judgment, Jesus will put us in a group of 20 people, and he will compare what all 20 of those people did, and the three that had done the most will get into heaven. You see, I don't read that in Scripture. I don't see that picture on the day of judgment that we're going to be compared to a group of people and the one who did the most will get into heaven. That's not the picture that I see when I read the Word from God. You see, the picture that I hear, the words that I read say, when you did it to one of these, you did it to me. You did it to Jesus. When you help that person in need, when you visit that person who's sick, you tend to Jesus. You tend to the Savior who is willing to come to this earth and die for your sins. A quote that I have shared with you before, but that I want to share again because it's, it's powerful to me, says this, How bad do you have to hate someone to really believe what the Bible teaches and not share it with everybody that you know? How bad do you have to hate someone to actually believe the words that are written in Scripture and not be willing to share it with everyone that you know? You see, here's what makes this quote or this saying a little bit uh, sadder, so to speak, to me. It was not said by a preacher. It was not said by some great teacher of the gospel. 
It was not even said by a great philosopher. You see, those words were uttered by a very outspoken atheist. Penn Gillette, uh, entertainer, a magician, so to speak, who uh, people may or may not know that name, is a very outspoken atheist. And he's the one that uttered those words. Before that, he had made the comment, he said, you know, he said, I don't personally believe what the Bible teaches. But he said, when I think about those people that do believe it, how bad do they have to hate someone to believe the words that are written in Scripture, but not be willing to share it with everybody that they know? How true that statement really is. Do we really believe the words that are written in Scripture? If we believe it, to the extent that we've based everything that we believe on these words that are written, and then we refuse to share it with our neighbor. We refuse to do the things that are written in the Scripture. This morning, each and every one of us could probably make a list a couple of pages long about someone who is thirsty, someone who feels neglected, someone sick, someone in need of essential items. But once again, I ask you the question, what are we going to do about it? Do we stop after we make the list? Does that name pop into our head, but it exits just as fast as it came into our mind? Just a few minutes ago in the book of Matthew, at the end of this text that we read together, we saw what happens when we refuse to help those in need. When we refuse to minister to those in need. When we refuse to offer those solutions that go along with the problems of our world. You see, we all know the problems of our world. We complain about the decisions our government makes. We complain about this that's going on. We complain about what this person's doing. How could, in the world, could this person believe that? But yet it stops there. And when we read Matthew, and we see this picture of this final judgment, we see the result of those people who refuse to make it to the solution part of being a Christian, to the actual doing part of being a Christian. Truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. But here comes the scary part. And those will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. You see, those people that are in your mind right now that are in need, just like you, They were created in God's image. When you see that person, do you see Jesus? When we humble ourselves and tend to the least of these, we're tending to the Savior who died on the cross for our sins. There are people here today who are physically unable to go out and visit or to go out and evangelize like maybe they've done in the past. I understand that. There are people today who are actually the ones who need to be ministered to. I understand that completely. 
But there's one thing that each and every person in this congregation, sitting here in this room this morning, or listening on TV, wherever you may be this morning, there's one thing that we all have in common. We can influence somebody in one way or another. We are going to influence somebody in one form or one fashion. What will your influence be when you leave today? Don't see people as you have seen them in the past. When you look at somebody this morning that's in need, when you see somebody that's sick, see Jesus. That person was made in God's image. When you minister to the least of them, you minister to Jesus as well. You see, I hope that we come to a decision that being here together every time the doors open is not enough. You see, so many people, well, I'm there every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. That's all it is to being a Christian. I just have to be there. That's only the beginning. You see, I've often heard it said, it's not what we do in here. It's what we do when we leave here. Now, I kind of agree with that. What we do in here is very important. We're worshiping God. We're worshiping our Father. What we do here is very important. One of the most important things we'll ever do. But when we leave here today... On Tuesday when you're at work, on Thursday when you get that call that somebody's sick, it's just as important what you do at that time. You see, the next time that our government does something that puts a a binding on Christianity, that puts a binding on your ability to spread the gospel, what you do at that moment in time is just as important to being a Christian. You see, here in Scripture, Jesus doesn't say, you know what, you never missed a worship service, enter into the kingdom of heaven. He says, what did you do to the least of these? What did you do to those people who were in need each and every day? These names that are on this screen. Do you hurt when a soul is listed in an obituary that... It's very obvious that they were not prepared for eternity. I don't know these people. I'm very thankful that one of my job duties here or in eternity is not going to be judging whether or not people go to heaven or people go to hell. That's not my responsibility. I don't want that responsibility. I'm very thankful that I don't have that responsibility. I don't think any of us want that responsibility. But that doesn't mean that I don't have any responsibilities. That doesn't mean that I shouldn't do everything in my power to make sure that there's not a soul that I don't know or that I do know that's not prepared. What kind of sacrifice are you making to be a Christian? I'm going to leave you with a thought that was in the bulletin this week that I put in in my article. But it's strong enough that I want to share it with you again. It was an individual... From here at Ninth Avenue, and I'm not going to name their name. Some of you will know. But on Tuesday night, we were preparing for VBS. This particular individual, she had every reason in the world to stay at home that night. She had, quote unquote, all the excuses that one might hear. 
well, I've put in my time before. I've done it all in the past. Let somebody else do it. You see, this particular individual was my Sunday school teacher when I was a small child before I entered school. She had every reason to be at home and not be up here working. But when she came in on a Tuesday night, here's what she said. I don't know what I can do, but I came in case there was something that I could do. What if we all had that attitude? There are people in need all over our community. There are people in our family that are in need. We have members who have been away. We have people that refuse to forgive each other. We have souls that are lost. What are we going to do about it? You see, we're all on the same team. We're all in the same fight. Do we act like teammates? Or do we act like enemies at times? You see, this morning... I'm going to finish with the same question that we started with. Do you love Jesus? I don't want you to answer with just your mouth. I want you to answer with your feet. I want you to answer with your hands. I want you to answer with your eyes. But most importantly, I want you to answer with your heart. We could honestly change Haleville if we got to work. If we were willing to roll up our sleeves, we could change Winston County. But we have to start with that very first soul. Matthew 25, verse 40. I'm going to read it again. And the king will answer them. Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Let this be our battle cry. Let this be the goal of each and every person as you leave here this morning. In just a second, we're going to stand and Brother John's going to lead us in a song. As we sing this song together... I want you to ask yourself, and I want you to be very honest with yourself. Do you love Jesus? Because you see, there's one part of that conversation that we left out. Each time that Jesus asked Peter that question, and Peter said, of course, Jesus, I love you. Jesus responded with something at the very end of that. Tend to my sheep. Tend to my flock. You see, I think if Jesus asked us the same question this morning, He wouldn't allow us to answer and things be finished. If we said, of course, Jesus, we love you, He would probably give us that same message 
that he gave Peter. Tend to my sheep. Tend to my flock. Do you love Jesus? If so, what are you going to do to show Jesus how much you love him? We could talk about how much we love Jesus all day long. But let's quit talking. Let's roll up our sleeves and let's show Jesus how much we love him. Do you love Jesus? If you're ready to make that commitment and show Jesus that you love him like no other. If you're ready to show Jesus what he truly means to your life. Decide today that you will show Jesus that you love him. Decide today that you've had enough of the status quo. That you're ready to do something different. Decide today that you want a soul who will one day be listed on a page just like before, that's before you. That you want to do everything that you can to make sure that the names that are listed on these pages each and every day are prepared for eternity. Do you love Jesus? Make that commitment today. Make that commitment right now.